All right, so um, I, w- I want to move into the good news now, because I do have good news today. And, and that's the text that we're going to be working in. We're starting a series called Freedom and Grace. And, and through this series, I want to look at <clears throat> I want to look at how grace is the key to us living in freedom. And some of you that have been in church your whole lives are probably thinking, we know that. We know that grace is the key to our freedom, but I don't want to just look at God's grace for us. I think we're very familiar with God's grace for us. We talk about that all the time, that God has gracefully given us freedom. But through this series, we also want to talk about how we can model that grace and live out that grace for others. I I saw a, a cool thing Um, This week, it said this, our responsibility is our response to his ability. Because God willed it so, the response is needed to make the divine ability effective. So, So what that means is God has given us free grace. It is God's work. It is God's power. But we have a response in that. And that's to become a people of grace. And so it's God's power, it's God's ability, and it's, it's what we do with it. It's our response to it. I believe that God's grace is completely free and sufficient to cover all of our shortcomings, and that's good news today. We should all be saying amen to that. That's good news. God's grace is enough now, I'm not saying that it's, it's not good enough overall, but I believe that how we respond to God's grace has an impact on our ability to live freely. And so that's what we're going to talk about through um, this series of, of freedom and grace. I'll never forget in college, I'm going to walk over here and grab a tissue as I talk um, so I don't have to keep wiping my face. Maybe I'll grab a whole box. You never know. Um, I'll never forget in college, I had a buddy, um, I won't tell you his name, because he, he's actually a pastor now, and who knows, maybe at some point he'll listen to this sermon, I listened to one of his not too long ago, but um, he, he was a good friend of mine in college, and he had a nickname, we called him Chip, because it was like he was walking around with a chip on his shoulder, like everything that happened, he was upset about, and um, have, how many of you have watched Seinfeld before? Okay, and he kind of had that Seinfeld mentality where he was walking around and everything was, how can he do that to me? How can they do that? What in the world are they thinking? And so we called him Chip, and we said, man, you just need to ease up. Like, you're just, you got a chip on your shoulder. And, and so I'm sure all of us know some Christians or followers of Christ who seem like they're not living in God's grace and God's freedom. I'm sure all of us know who, who believe in God and who call ourselves Christians but have a hard time and it doesn't seem like we're living in freedom. Maybe it seems like we're living in bondage. I believe that there are many people who call themselves Christians that are not living the full freedom that God has for them because they're not living gracefully with others. If we're not able to totally understand God's grace for us, and then on the second side, if we're not able to fully live out God's grace for others, we won't experience God's freedom the way it was intended. And so through this series, um, we're, we're going to be working through um, the book of First Peter. It's in the New Testament. If you've got your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen. 
But we're going to be working through this, and today we're going to really be reading the Scripture and working through the Scripture. That's that's what we're doing today. And so, so 1 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter, and it's written to those that are exiled, the exiled followers of Christ, or or the the Israelites who were exiled. So they're not living at home. They're not. They're living in a land that seems like. That they're strangers. We, we went through a series not too long ago that was um, all about us being strangers in a strange land. And so, so this is written to those people. And so we're going to look at 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9 first. Let me read it to you. This is good stuff. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's good stuff. Because of God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I can't wait to celebrate that with you on April 1st. I love Easter. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And because of that, we have a new birth into a living hope. And we have an inheritance that will not fade. So let's look at that. These first few verses talk about the past, the present, and the future for those who are followers of Christ. It talks about the past because it says, in the past, Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead because of his mercy so that we could have life. So in the past, Jesus did the work. He died on a cross. He was resurrected. That's the past. That's what happened before. That's why we have the opportunity for freedom. And then the present, we have what? We have a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. A living hope. That is present day. That is for you today. That is for me today. We have a living hope. And in the future, we have an inheritance. And this is, this is awesome. We have an inheritance that will never fade. That's good news. And so the past, the present, and the future for us, Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead so that we can have a living hope today. And in the future, we have an inheritance that can never go away. What incredible news today. When when we think about the present, though, sometimes the, the words living hope don't come to our mind, do they? When we think about what's going on in the world around us, some of you probably just came into church today and it just seemed like the world was spinning. And maybe living hope isn't the first thing that you would think of when you think of what's going on in the world today. Let's just do that real quick. Turn to the person next to you and share the first thing you think of when I say, what's happening in our world today? Go, real quick. Deb, you can tell me, quietly. (laughs) You're by yourself. Or Vivian. All right, now, how how many of you gave really hopeful answers? All right, we got a few. How many?
talked about things that are happening in the news that are difficult? How many of you talked about struggles maybe in your own life? Okay. Yeah, when I think of what's going on in the world today, like if, if you would have asked me this week, man, it was, a, it was a whirlwind of a week. When we think of what's going on in the world today, we don't necessarily, the first thing we think of maybe isn't living hope. I want to change that today. Today, I want us to understand that we have a living hope no matter what's going on around us. If you watch the news, there's, there's a lot going on, isn't there? There's, there, man, there's stuff going on that I just don't understand, and I wish as a pastor I could explain it to you, and I could, I could make sense of it all, but I can't. There's things that are going on that seem hopeless. There are people that are, that are committing terrible crimes, and not only that, I have a Facebook account. I, I don't have all the other good stuff that, that the young people have, but I do have a Facebook account. And man, I'm just blown away. I'm bl- I know I talk about this a lot, but I'm blown away by the amount of hatred and anger that I see every single day. When I look at the world around us, it, it, the first word that, that comes to my mind sometimes is not living hope. But today, we're going to transform that and we're going to understand that we have a living hope. The truth is, the cause of all of our troubles... The cause of all of our troubles, whether we're talking about crime, whether we're talking about hatred, whether we're talking about anything, the cause of all of our troubles is us. It's our selfishness. It's our struggles. It's the way we treat each other. But the good news today is that Jesus, Jesus Christ, died on a cross and was resurrected so that we could have a living hope and we have an eternal, unchanging inheritance from God. That's good news. Left on our own, we as humans have proven time and time and time again that that we're pretty good at making messes. We're pretty good at messing things up. This, I mean, you can, if you open a Bible and you read through it, you're going to see humans making messes. You're going to see humans causing trouble. You're going to see problems happening. If you look back in history books, you're going to see problems happening because we as humans, when left on our own, are pretty good at being selfish and pretty good at causing trouble. And so on our own, we almost always will get ourselves into big trouble. But Jesus is our living hope. Listen, today, you don't have to worry about all the stuff. You don't have to worry about what seems like a lack of hope in the world around you. Now, I know I'm not saying that, that you don't have to worry about physical things that might happen to you. What I'm saying is you have a living, eternal hope through Christ And no matter what it looks like around you, no matter what you see on the news, no matter how much trouble you have in your life, you have the resurrection of Jesus. You have a living hope. I'm going to say that about a hundred more times today because it's good stuff. And so all the way back through scriptures, we see that, that we've... We've made a mess of things. Um, but, but I want to break down this, this text now. So, so the good news is, although we are good at messing up, 
God has mercifully saved us. It says in verse three, in his great mercy, he gave us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So even though we, you and I, let's be honest, you and I, every single one of you, you and I are pretty good at messing things up. But Jesus has given us hope. And so the good, the good news is in his great mercy, even though we don't deserve it, even though we fail over and over again, even though we make mess after mess, in his great mercy, Jesus paved the way for us to have hope and an eternal inheritance. I want to talk about this word hope because hope here is a little bit different than what we think of hope being in our lives. How do you use the word hope? Like maybe you're you're saying, I hope, I hope that my favorite team wins the championship. I hope that the Buckeyes someday can return to glory for all you Buckeyes fans, right? Get myself in trouble today. Let's have some fun, come on. Or, Or maybe, hey, I hope that I get this promotion at work. Why were you laughing so hard, Terry? (laughs) Michigan fan. I hope that I get this promotion at work, or I hope that that I can somehow come into money. I, I hope that this happens. We use hope as this idea of maybe something will happen. Maybe we will get what we need. Maybe, maybe, there's a chance. That's how we use the word hope. I hope, I hope that I have a good week this week. This hope that it's talking about right here is very different. This is not the hope of I hope I win the lottery. This is not the hope of I've got stocks and I I hope the stock market does well. This hope is certain. Because Jesus died on a cross and was resurrected, there is no mystery in this hope. This isn't a, I hope someday I'm okay. I, I hope, I, I've got my fingers crossed. I hope everything works out. That's not what this hope is. This hope is a certain hope. It means that you and I today can say with all confidence and assurance that Jesus Christ won victory over the junk in our lives. That's the hope we're talking about. It's not a question. It's not across my fingers. It's I know that when stuff goes wrong, that when there's troubles, I know that my God is bigger. I know that Jesus defeated sin and death. And so when this says, through Christ we have hope, through Christ we have absolute confident assurance that we're going to be okay and that we have an inheritance that will never fade. Our hope is certain. Stamp it. It's done. Put it in the bank. We have hope. The second word that we see, what comes before it, is the word living. We have a living hope. So we, our hope is certain. It's absolute. We don't have to cross our fingers and, and, and wish. We know it to be, but it says it's a, a living hope. What does that mean, that we have a living hope? Well, the word used there is, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's zao or dezaur. It says D-Z-A-H apostrophe O. I'm not real good at phonetical stuff, but I think it's dezao. 
And so that is that hope that it's saying is a living hope. What that means is it's active. It's at work. And so not only do we have a, a hope, I know that's going to happen, but that hope is at work in our lives. That hope is working in our lives. It's active to change us, to transform us, to, to transform the way that we think, to transform the way that we see the world around us, and to transform the way that we live. This hope is not a dead hope. It's a living, active hope. So because Jesus died for us, we have an absolute certain hope that is at work in our lives. So what is that hope? That hope is that we have an inheritance that can never spoil or never fade or never go away. And so this is what that means. This is what that living hope is all about. Sin and death will never, never be able to take away your offer of free grace and your inheritance in the kingdom of God. Hear me again. No sin or death is strong enough to overcome what Jesus did on the cross and and in his resurrection all that time ago. Nothing can overcome it. Our living hope is that that is final and that we have victory over sin and death. That's what living hope is. It doesn't matter how bad everything gets. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. We have a living hope and and an eternal inheritance that will not fade or pass away. And that's good news. That's great news. Is anybody in here excited about that today? Would any of you say, like, man, I am really good at making messes, and I have made some messes in my life, and I am really glad that I have the hope of Christ, and I know that I have an inheritance that's going to be there for me in the end. How many of you would say, that's me? That's good stuff. Man, when, when stuff's messed up, it's good to know that we have a living hope in Christ God's grace is victorious. We're going to move on into verses 6 through 9 now because he goes on and it says, In all of this you greatly rejoice. We, we should greatly rejoice. We have a living hope, but it goes on and says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. How many of you have faced trials this week? Just How many of you have faced some trials? All right, how many of you have faced some trials this year? All right, how many of you have faced trials in your lifetime? I'd better see all those hands come up. Absolutely. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, listen to this, of greater worth than gold, which perishes through refined by, though refined by fire, may result in praise Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If, if, if you're a big fan of the old hymns, joy unspeakable and full of glory. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
And so that first part is pretty fun. Yes, we have hope. It's a living hope. It's eternal. It never ends. And, and he goes on and says, even though now you might be experiencing some things, you might be struggling, you can rejoice even though, even though you're going through difficult times. You can rejoice even when you struggle because you have a living hope. In verse 7, it says, The genuineness of our faith is of more value than gold, which perishes. Now, let's just take that. What does not perish? Pop quiz. What does not perish? Our inheritance in Christ, it just said it, our inheritance in Christ will not go away, it will not spoil, it will not fade, and it goes on and says, now, be, now you can have a genuine faith, and that genuine faith is more valuable than gold, because gold will pass away. It will go away, but guess what? What won't? Our inheritance and so a genuine faith is of more value than gold because gold will go away, but our inheritance will not go away. I want you to understand something this morning. The most valuable thing that we can have, the most valuable thing you can have is not a Lamborghini. The most valuable thing you can have is not perfect health. The most valuable thing you can have is not the best job and all the money in the world. The most valuable thing you can have is a genuine faith in the living hope that we're given through Christ because it won't go away. It'll never perish. It'll never fade. It's worth more than anything. Nothing will be more powerful in your life for you than a genuine faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection that gives us an eternal inheritance. Everything else will fade. Let, let, let's just talk that out real quick. Why is a genuine faith so valuable? Well, if you've got a Lamborghini or if you've got a, a good job, those can go away. And, and if those go away, where are you at? If you put all of, your, all of your hope and all of your faith in something that's temporal and it goes away, what do you have? You've got nothing. But if you have a genuine faith in the, in the resurrection of Christ and you have a living hope, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter if you get cancer. It doesn't matter if you lose all of your possessions. It doesn't matter if things happen around us that we can't control because what do we have? We have a living hope in Jesus Christ and nothing can take that away from us if we have a genuine faith. The most valuable thing you can have is a genuine faith in Christ. It will never fade away, and you can face anything. How many of you are glad about that this morning? I'm glad. I'm glad that I have a faith, a genuine faith in Jesus Christ that can never fade away, and it doesn't matter what happens to me tomorrow. It doesn't matter if, if I'm hugely successful in my career. It doesn't matter if, if everything falls apart around me because I have Jesus, and that cannot be taken away. The resurrection cannot be taken away. Nothing can overcome the power of the resurrection of Christ. And so it goes on and it says, that genuine faith will result in praise and glory of God. 
When we have a genuine faith, that re- the result of that is praise and glory to God. How, how many of you know someone that has a genuine faith that has faced something so difficult that you don't know how they do it, but they have a faith that's carried them through? How many of you know someone like that? Glory to God. There's no explanation other than God is great. And if you have a genuine faith and a living hope, you can face anything. And when you live that out, guess what? God is glorified. When you have a genuine faith and a living hope that, that, it, that keeps you strong in the midst of all of the storms going around you, guess what? People see God's love and God's grace and God's hope in our lives. Oh man, I'll tell you what, it's been a tough week, but I want you to see the glory of God in me. I want you to know that nothing, nothing can overcome God. Even the most difficult week you can have is nothing because God is with you and God is God and you can have a living hope and a genuine faith that will keep you going no matter what happens. That's good news. I want to glorify God by the way I handle everything. Is that you today? Are you there? I want to glorify God by the way that, that I react when, when people are difficult. I want to glorify God by the way I react when bad things happen. I want people to see God's hope in my life. And when we have a genuine faith, that's what happens. I, I want to call us as a church to something. Obviously, it's fun to get good news. Sometimes it's hard to get bad news. But I believe, I believe this Absolutely. I had, I had lunch with a pastor the other day, and, uh, and we had a good talk about hope and grace and, and resurrection. And, and so I want to call us to something. I want to call us as a church to lead the way in hope and in grace. I know that we are going to experience things. I know that we're going to go through hard times. But I believe that God's will is for us to be the example of God's love and God's grace and God's hope for the world around us. People need to see us living out God's hope. And so we can't walk around with a chip on our shoulder. We can't walk around mad all the time. We can't walk around bitter about things. We have to walk around with hope. Because we've got Christ. That's our calling. Skipping down to, to verse 13. What does this mean for our lives? We have a living hope that it's at work. What, how does that affect us? One well, verse 13, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, be ju- but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. That word, therefore, we have a living hope. We have a hope that sustains us no matter what we face. Therefore, with minds fully alert and sober, set your hope On the grace of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I've got a lot more notes, but but we're just gonna 
We're just gonna wrap it up here because I think this is a good word today. Set your hope on the grace of Christ. Therefore, because of all that God has done, therefore, because of the resurrection of Christ, therefore, because of the living hope that you have, when you experience difficult things, you can have a genuine faith that carries you through. Therefore, set your hope on grace, on Jesus Christ. Our passion, our hope should be for God. That that scripture says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you used to live in. When you used to think that things and power and and all of that, we just talked about all of this, putting God first and loving others and how these other boxes can take over. Maybe you used to think that those things could fulfill you, but they can't. And so it says, now you know that those can't and you know the only thing that can give you a living hope is Christ. So quit living like those other things can give you hope because they can't. Quit living like you can do it on your own because you can't. Start living. Put your hope, put your mind, put your heart in Jesus Christ and his grace. Our passion should be for God. Hear me, church. Hear me. This is so important. No matter what happens, it's important that our number one passion is to honor and glorify God. That the number one thing we have in our life is a living hope in Jesus Christ's resurrection. I'm so excited for Easter. And I, I know it's a, it's a day, but it's a celebration, and we're going to work up towards it. We have a hope. And, and you don't have to put your hope in things that are going to disappoint you. You know better, so quit living that way. Don't conform to those evil desires, but put God first. It says, be holy in all you do. This is the better way. We make messes on our own, but if we will put God first, if we will set our hope on Christ, it's a better way. Be holy in all you do. In everything you do, be Christ-like. Beacon Commentary said this. I thought this was really good. Our holiness is more than a matter of our standing. It is a matter of our spiritual state. I think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that holiness is a patch that we have on our, on our jacket, or holiness is a trophy that we have on our wall. I, I'm holy, I did it, I, I became sanctified, woo, and there it is. But holiness is not a trophy to go on the wall. Holiness is a state of our lives. It's something we live out, just like we have a living hope. We should have a living holiness every day. And so God calls us, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what Jesus did in his resurrection, we have a living hope, we have a genuine faith, and we have an eternal, eternal inheritance. And so what's our response? Our response is to live holy lives. I know I said I'm going to stop, but I can't now because I kept going. And so here we go. I'm sorry. I'll stop soon, I promise. But, but it says, be holy as, as God is holy. And so our response to, our, to what Jesus did, our response to our living hope, is holiness. I really believe we struggle with this. I believe that there are a lot of Christians that want to be holy and they want to honor God and they want to put that trophy up on the wall, but they want to live out their own desires. And they want to be selfish in the way they live. But if we believe in God, if we believe in what Jesus did, if we believe in the power of the resurrection, there's a better way. 
And we have to live holy lives. If we understand our hope is in Christ, our passion should be transformed to be transformed into God's image. And if our passion is to be Christ-like, then our lives will be holy. That's what I want for us. I want us to live out as Christ did. I want us, when we experience things, to be Christ to the world around us. Go down to verse 22. It continues on. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Listen to that again. Now that you've been purified, now that you have a living hope, now that Jesus did the work and you have a living hope and a genuine faith and you could face anything and you have an eternal inheritance, now that you've been purified and you're holy by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Listen, I talked about it. I think one of our biggest problems is selfishness and hate in the world today. But we are called to love each other deeply. We are called to love each other deeply. Look around this room. Go ahead, look around. You are called to love each other deeply. And the wonderful thing about this is that when we have freedom and grace and we have a living hope and we don't have to worry about whether, we don't have to cross our fingers and hope that God is enough because God is enough, that gives us freedom to love each other deeply, despite our faults and our struggles and our frustrations. We have freedom to love each other deeply. And so this goes back to the last series. If we put God first, if we love God most, we can love each other better because we're not dependent on what we do to each other. If you hurt me, I'm okay, I've got a living hope. I've got an eternal inheritance. So I can love you deeply. Love each other deeply. Be holy. If our passion is for God first, we will have a living hope that's drawing us towards holiness, which will draw us towards love. Listen, as we start this series, Freedom and Grace, over the next weeks leading up to Easter, I want us, Westchester Nazarene, you and I, not just a church as a building or, or a group, but I want us individually to understand the wonderful grace that Jesus and the wonderful gift that we were given through Jesus' death and resurrection. I want us to live with a living hope. I want us to live like a people that have an eternal inheritance that can never fade or pass away. And I want us to be Christ to the world around us. I heard this really cool thing. It's not that we are going to become God, but, but this, this cool idea said it's like a watch that's tuned to the same time as the Big Ben clock tower. We, we just reflect. We are like Christ to the world around us. You're not going to become Jesus, but you can become like Jesus so that you reflect Jesus to the world around us. And I want us to be a people that are holy, 
to be a people that are graceful, to be a people that are loving, and to be a people more than anything that are hopeful and Christ-like in everything we do. And so this morning, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care how bad it looks around us. I don't care what's going on in your, I do care what's going on in your life, that sounds bad, but I don't, I don't care how bad things are, you have Christ, and you have a living hope, and so I want us to live in that living hope. I want us to be a beacon of light to the world around us. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you. And I thank you, Lord, that even when we have to give bad news and even when we we struggle with things in life and even when we're not feeling good and even when it seems like things are falling apart, we have you. And we know that nothing in our life could ever overcome the gift that you gave us through your death and resurrection. Father, help us to be a people with a living hope. Help us to be a people who just ooze your love and grace and hope. Help us to be a people that as we live and as we experience things, other people see you and you are glorified. Father, we give our lives to you today. We give everything we have to you today. We want to glorify you with our lives. Make us holy. Make us loving. Make us hopeful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.